Well, you just sang it this morning. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe that Jesus died, that he rose. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here we go, let's sing it. He is Lord, He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. These are crucial beliefs. That's why we sing a song like that. These are crucial beliefs that we ought to hang on to as a church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and eternal life he brings to us. We thank you that... We can have a relationship with you, and even this morning, we thank you that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher. So, Father, I pray that we'll be good listeners and learners this morning, and we'll hear your Spirit speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Vambalis are moving again this morning. They were over there. They've left you. They're now over here. Are you going to move every section? Maybe. This is very confusing to me. I kind of know where people sit. Even the Jansex are on the wrong side this morning. It's not right. Lots of bad news, lots of bad news. You, you, you know, we're just hearing all kinds of bad news. I heard some good news. I read some good news this week, and I thought I would share it to you this morning. Americans are getting stronger. Isn't that encouraging? Americans are getting stronger. 20 years ago, it took two adults to carry $50 worth of groceries. Now an eight-year-old can do it easily. Ah, life's interesting. My granddaughter Kenzie's in the room this morning. She didn't know she was in the sermon. She's in the room. She sent me a text just just a week ago. And in the text, she said, you're the best, Papa, because I'd done something nice for her. You're the best, Papa, but she spelled it Y-O-U-R. So I sent a text back and said, no, you're the best. And I spelled it. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E like it's supposed to be. (laughs) Now I don't know what to do because she's like been happy all this last week and I hate to tell her I was just correcting her. (laughs) My daughter Jill has six-year-old twins. They were getting ready to go in the car and Easton says, I get the left side. Nemesis says, no, I get the left side. I get the left side. No, I get the left side. I get the left side. Finally, Jill cannot take it anymore, and she says, stop it. 
And Nick, her husband, says, Easton, you get the left side because you called it first. And he's all happy. He says, thanks, Dad. Which side's left? Last week I talked about serving others. I talked about serving others in a me-first world, and I said we should look for ways to be helpful. Did you do it this week? Did you look for ways? Or did you just keep going through life looking out for number one? Well, since I was preaching it, I, I, I was trying to look. I was down at Dollar General, and there was a lady in front of me, an older lady, older than me. So you know she was old. I mean, kind of like Sue Torsh, old. <laughs> well, Sue woke up. <laughs> anyway, she's in front of me in the line, and she's buying toilet paper, and it becomes clear to me that she does not have the money. And, you know, it's nothing. And I grabbed my wallet, reached around her, threw a five on the thing, and said, I'll take care of it. And she was so thankful so thankful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll think of you every time I use it. <laughs> that is not right. I was with Jill's kids just the other day and I asked them, <laughs> Easton and Emma, I asked them, six years old, I said, so how do you like school? <laughs> and Emma says, oh, I love it. It's great. She gets this little look and she goes, except when Mrs. Decker tries to teach us stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of like church. I really like church except when the preacher starts to talk. You know how that goes. But, but maybe we need to learn things together, be reminded of things. We've been talking about being a light to a dark world. So we've been talking about Rick Warren. Rick Warren says there's two basic reasons people don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. One, they've never met a Christian. And two, they have met a Christian. Interesting. One, they've met a Christian. They've never met a Christian. Two, they've, they've met a Christian. In either case, he's saying influence matters, and it does. Influence matters. So I want to continue our study now on being a light, and I want to do it from Genesis chapter 18. So grab your Bibles. Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, starting down in verse 17, the Lord's talking. God's talking. It's interesting because it's not exactly clear to whom he is talking. Maybe he's talking to himself. That is, maybe this is a divine soliloquy. You say, a what? That's, that's what some commentaries put as the heading right here, a divine soliloquy, a place where God's talking to himself. But either way, it's recorded so we can listen in and learn. Here we go. You got your, got your Bibles now? Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. Then the Lord said, 
Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? He's talking about what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. Then he says this. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants. Why is that? Well, because from Abraham is going to come the Messiah, going to come Jesus Christ, and the Scriptures. He's talking about the way that he's going to work in the world through his chosen people. He says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. And now verse 19. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Here we go in your notes. Got your notes? Number one. God has chosen us for a purpose. God has chosen us for a purpose. He says, verse 19, I have chosen him. He says about us in Ephesians chapter 1, I chose you, you're chosen before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless. In love, I predestined you to become adopted as sons. That is, God has chosen us, and he's chosen us for a purpose. He chose Abraham, and he's choosing us too for a twofold purpose. Number one, to be someone. He's chosen us to be someone, and that's his child. God's creating a family. He wants to be a father to us. He wants to be a father to you. He wants to love you and care for you and guide you. He wants to love us and care for us and guide us. That is, God wants us. I, I can't tell you how important I think it is that we see ourselves this way, that God wanted me. God wanted me to be his child. God wanted Brenda Samuels to be his child. That ought to blow her mind. He wanted Jim Schulte to be his child. He, he wanted Sue Torsh to be his child. He wanted Gary Vandervluck to be his child. And he wants you. That, that is such an amazing thought. I want everybody in the room to say this. God wanted me to be his child. Here we go. God wanted me to be his child. Wow! How cool is that, that the God of all the world wants us to be his child? I can just go around the room and I can pick person after person. God wanted Jason to be his child. In eternity past, he was thinking about Jason. God wanted us to be someone. But number two, God wanted us to bless someone. Like Abraham, God wanted us to bless someone. Now, how, how is that going to happen? Well, we're going to be a light. That's how. 
Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. He, he wanted us to bless somebody. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, we're going to be a light, but how's it going to happen kind of exactly? What does he say? And this is where verse 19 comes in. Verse 19 has three clauses. They follow one right after another. And the last two are purpose clauses. And you can't miss it because he says, so that. So that. So that. Here we go. Let's read it again. For I have chosen him so that. God says, I chose Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then he says, I did that so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. You say, what's he promised him? That he'll be a blessing to all the nations. That's the promise. Which leads us to number two in my notes this morning. Here we go. God says there's a connection. It's very important. God says there's a connection, number one, between ethics and mission. I want you to see that. He says, I've chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. That's ethics. And I want you to notice that phrase is in between the first phrase and the last phrase. If we take it out, it would read this. I have chosen him so that... The Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. But there's another phrase in between. And it demonstrates that there's a connection between ethics and mission. Yes, God wants to reach the world through us. He wants to bless the world through us. He wants us to be a light. But that assumes that we're doing that middle section. So that he will direct his children and his household, including himself, after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Abraham's going to live ethically, just and right, and he's going to lead his family to live ethically and morally. Can I say holy? That's what God said about us in Ephesians 1. He's chosen us for the foundation of the world that we'll be holy and blameless. Yes, that we will do what is just and right. There's a connection between ethics and mission, and number two, between character and influence. There's a connection. Abraham follows, and his followers will follow. They'll live as God's chosen people, and that distinction will help them be a light to the world. But you can see it. I have chosen him so that he'll direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. We have to walk in the way of the Lord. Our distinctive lifestyle is essential to our mission. There's a connection between ethics and mission, between character and influence. There's a connection, a vital connection, an essential connection, which leads us to number three. God challenges, really expects, God challenges us to remain ethically distinct. In this world today, God challenges us. He expects us 
to remain ethically distinct. Now, in what ways? He says in this passage, just and right, yes. Well, let's just flesh it out a little bit. Let's go to Ephesians 5. We were there once before, but let's go to Ephesians 5 and let me show you. I'm saying there's a connection. God said it clearly. Abraham is going to live a certain way so that, he said, that's why I've chosen him, so that he'll live that way and he'll teach his children to live that way. God chose Bill Mishler so that he'll live a certain way and he'll teach his children to live a certain way. Why? So that they can be a light in a dark world. That's why. God chose Ryan and he chose him so that he would live a certain way. He'll live a certain way in this world and he'll teach his children to live a certain way and because they live that way, they'll be a light in a dark world. This is what he's done for all of us. He challenges and now expects us to remain ethically distinct, and the distinction matters. We're not like them. That's why this series is called Opposites. We're not supposed to be like the sinful society around us. We're supposed to be distinct, different. Here's what he says in Ephesians 5. Did you make your way there yet? I hope so. I didn't. But now I did. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness. That's what we were when we were unsaved. Living in darkness. Living in the dark society without God and without light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't be like the darkness of the sinful society around us. Don't be like that, he says. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it's the light that makes everything visible. Yes. Now back right to the beginning. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light, the evidence of light, that's what fruit means here, the evidence of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. There's our three for the day. There's our three distinct character traits for today. On week number one, I talked about living positive in a negative world. Yes, positive. That means we don't spend our life complaining because every time we complain, we're actually complaining about God. Instead, we spend our life being thankful and positive, and by doing that, we stand out in a dark world. On week two, I talked about being servants in a me-first world. This world has as their main agenda taking care of themselves and their family. That's it. But God says, no, that's not it. He says, yes, that's how the world lives, but not among my people. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to become what? The servant of all. And that's why we should be teaching our children about service, about giving and helping, because that will make us stand out in a dark world. Now today, three more, three more characteristics he says, the fruit of light, the evidence of light, the evidence that you're walking in the light 
consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I want to start with the last one first. Here we go in your notes. He challenges us to be truth-tellers. He challenges us to be truth-tellers. Now, right away we have a problem. Because we live in a society that's debating whether there even is truth. If, if you don't know that, you need to catch up to this. But the young people know it. The young people know because they're hearing all the time, that's just your truth. Or my truth. That's just your view of truth. Or my view of truth. And I want to say this to you, young people, so you hear it from somebody. That is nonsense. That's utter, absolute nonsense. I put it right in the notes. Truth is not debatable. Truth is what corresponds to reality. There's a reason we call it truth. Truth is not debatable. It's not up for debate. It's not your truth and my truth. It's the truth. Somebody needs to say this again. Parents, we need to say this again. Well, that's just what you think. No. Truth is what corresponds to reality. This is true in all the disciplines. Here we go. It's true in math. Two plus two is? If you say it's five, you're wrong. You say, well, that's my view of it. Your view is wrong. You say, you can't say that, Pastor McNeil. You can't say you're wrong. Two plus two is? Four. If you say it's three, you're? Bad mathematician. It's true in math. It's true in science. It's true in science. We live on the earth. And it is not a cube. It is not flat. It is round. Not perfectly round. Come on. It's a sphere. If you think the earth is flat, you are Looney Tunes. You say, well, that's just your view of it, Pastor McNeil. That is not my view of it. That's the truth. Hang on now. Hang on. Human, male and female, are not interchangeable. They are not interchangeable. They are distinct. They are absolutely distinct. That's just your view. No, that is not just my view. That's what corresponds to reality. It corresponds to reality. Male and female sex are distinct on the chromosomal level. Distinct. You can try to perceive them differently. But if you're born a male, you are a male. You cannot change it on the chromosomal level. Come on. You remember this. One of every... 23 pairs of chromosomes in each cell decides. If there's two X, you're female. If there's one X and one Y, you're a male. And before some bright kid in here says, well, what about the mutations, Pastor McNeil? That doesn't change a thing. If you don't know what we're talking about there, it doesn't matter. That changes nothing. 
Listen, truth is not debatable. It's what corresponds to reality. I'm not doing hate speech here. I'm saying the truth. By the way, this works in history as well. It works in math. It works in science. It works in history. On September the 11th, 2001, terrorists drove planes into towers in Dallas, Texas. Is that the truth? No, it's not the truth. That's the day John F. Kennedy died in Dallas, Texas. September 11, 2001? That's not the truth. November 22, 1963, that's when John F. Kennedy was shot in New York City. No, he wasn't. He was shot in Dallas. Come on. Truth is what corresponds to reality. You say, Pastor Neil, why are you making such a big deal about it? Christianity is a historical religion. Make no mistake. Christianity is a historical religion. This is a historical document. It's historical. There is truth and non-truth. Say, well, Pastor McNeil, every religion's got their book. I know they do. And the Quran says Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. This book says Jesus Christ did die on the cross, and one of them is true, and one of them is false. And here's how you know. It depends which one corresponds to reality. That's how you know. Young people, I know you're hearing this. Your truth, my truth. That's nonsense. There's just the truth. And it's not debatable. It sits out here. It's not in my head or Steve Jansek's head. We are not the decision makers of truth, thankfully. Truth is out here. It's what corresponds to reality. Yes, Jesus Christ did die on the cross and rise again. That corresponds to reality. Here we go in your notes. He's challenging us by saying this is the evidence of light. He's challenging us to be truth tellers. So number one underneath that, we need to stand for truth when it's not popular. This, this is what it means. It means that we, as the people of God, have to stand for truth when it's not popular. So for 250 years in the United States, being a Christian was normal, good, maybe patriotic, culturally acceptable. We've always been foreigners and strangers in this world. That's what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says. We're just beginning to feel how foreign and strange we are. That's because society's changing like crazy. But we need to stand up for the truth. You say, what truth? I'm not trying to get anybody on my keister here. Not political truth. That's not what we're called to stand up for. We're called to stand up for this truth, biblical truth. That's what we're called to stand up for. That Jesus is the risen Son of God. That we can be saved from our sins. There really is a heaven and a hell. That's the truth we need to stand up for. And we need to stand up for it even when it's not popular. Number two, we need to speak up for truth when it's not popular. Speak up. Say, how do you do that? Well, this year you can do it by voting. 
Every year it's not a clear-cut, clear-cut thing. I'm just saying it's not. But this year, we have a proposal on abortion, do we not? That is a clear moral issue. And Christian can stand up by going to the polls and voting. Abortion's wrong. That's just the truth. It's not debatable. It was wrong before Roe versus Wade, before 1973. It was wrong after Roe versus Wade started in 1973. And now that that's gone down by the Supreme Court, we're going to have all kinds of proposals like we have this year. It's still wrong, and Christians should speak up. We can speak up. We can go to the polls and vote moral issues like that. We can also speak up for the truth by just being truth tellers. Just tell the truth. If we say we're going to do it, we do it. If we say we're going to pray, we pray. If we say we're going to help, we help. If we say we're going to go, we go. We speak the truth. Somebody left this church. They let it be known that they left because I said homosexuality is a sin. It is a sin. They should have also said, I say complaining is a sin and pride is a sin and judgmentalism is a sin and racism is a sin. I say all those are sins too. It's not hate speech to say the truth. You say, you're kind of worked up on this. We need more truth tellers in our world. We've got to stand up for the truth when it's not popular and speak the truth when it's not popular and live the truth, number three, when it's not popular. We've got to live out our name. We're Christians. Little Christ. We've got to live it out. Obey God's world in the, in the open. Embody truth. Here's a problem. We tend to go to extremes. We tend either to be silent or mean. I see people nodding in the room. You know I'm telling the truth. We tend to either be silent or we tend to be mean. So I put it right in my notes. Don't just attack and criticize. That's not the answer. We have to speak the truth in love. In fact, in kindness. If it can't be said kindly, it shouldn't be said. It's like today, for some people, outrage trumps graciousness, but it doesn't. It does not. Number two, there's a challenge to do right. He says it. The evidence of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, doing right. Of course you can be righteous. Do right. He that does what is right is righteous, 1 John. It's not that complex. We, we can do right. Here we go in your notes. Do right, not what's wrong. Of course, we ought to tell the truth. That's right. Of course, we ought to be thankful. That's right. Of course, we ought to re reject selfishness. Why? Because that's right. Of course, we ought to pay our taxes, obey the government. Why? Because that's right. These are all biblical teaching. Number two, do right, not what's easy. Here's where it hits the fan, doesn't it? Because we tend to want to do what's easy. I'll say it to you. 
I tend to want to do what's easy, but I'm called to do what's right. So are you. Number three, we have to do what's right, not what I want. Sometimes what I want is not right. When that guy's been behind me on the freeway and he's got his brights on and he's right up behind me, I am not happy. Now, Cindy, she's just praising the Lord over there. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not happy when that guy's got his brights and he's right up behind me. Then he goes by me, and I want to slide over and flip my brights on. Some of you are nodding. Some of you are shaking your head. No, 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 I would never think that. Well, you are so perfect. But I'm thinking I want to flip my brights on and let that guy see what it's like. That's what I want to do. I want to talk back to that person who's talking to me in that way I don't like. And I can do it. I don't have to work it up. That person's just a chewing me out. And I'm thinking inside the whole time, I could give you what for right now. And I would like to. You say, that doesn't sound too good. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just a sinner like you. You just pretend you're perfect. <laughs> I just want to tell them what's for. That's what I want to do, but it's not. It's not. It's not right. Sometimes when the pizza's sitting there, I want to take the biggest piece with the most pieces of pepperoni. Oh, that's what I do do. <laughs> Number three, there's a challenge to do good. That's what he says, the evidence of light. I'm taking this right out of the text. The evidence of light is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So he challenges us to do good. It's simple. We can do this. This whole room can do this. You can teach your kids to do this. What do we have to do? We have to tell the truth and do what's right. And do good. So we'll be generous because it's good. We'll be helpful because it's good. We'll be kind because it's good. We'll pick up our neighbor's trash can that's blown around the road and take it up by their garage because that's, that's good. We'll make the pastor a pie. Because that's, that's good. Strawberry rhubarb. You think I didn't hear that over there? Everybody in the room heard that. <laughs> I'll even take a homemade chicken pot pie. Don't bring a banquet one. That doesn't work. We can just do what's good. We can park out farther so somebody who really needs to be close to the building can walk in close. Are you serious? Dead serious. We can just do good. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your perfect ability to witness. <laughs> That's not what it says. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Let your light, that's what this series is about. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. 
How are we going to make a difference in this world? We're going to be truth tellers. We're going to stand for truth when it's not popular and speak truth when it's not popular. That's what we're going to do. We're going to live out the truth when it's not popular, but we're going to do it kindly and graciously. We're going to do right, not what's wrong, not what's easy, not what we want. Be helpful if every person in this room would just admit to ourselves, we want to do one thing, but God often tells us to do something else. Isn't it true? That's the truth. Our hearts are not perfectly white. Here's the truth about our hearts. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Yes, we want to do all kinds of things we should not do. We should do what is right and what is good. We can just do it because it is good. We'll let our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and they will praise and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's what the text says. And when we do, we'll be like Jesus Christ. You know what Peter said about Jesus? Peter said this. He went about doing good because God was with him. You say, Peter wrote that about Jesus? Said it about Jesus. It's recorded in Acts chapter 10. He went about doing good because God was with him. And we can go about doing good because God is with us too. Yes, we can. In Jesus' name. So that we'll be a light to a world that desperately needs to see him. Let's stand together. Father, help us. This being a light and being different is hard for so many of us. And Father, when it comes right down to it, sometimes we don't want to do what's right. We know what's right, we just don't want to do it. So I pray that you will help us to choose to say no to what we want, no to what is easy. And Father, help us to do what is right. And Father, this week I pray that you'll help us to stand up for truth and speak up for truth. But Father, help us to do it in love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.